If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Swap that ticket and cash in while the odds have improved. Once again, here's Ryan. All right, welcome back to The Fix, live in the Prop Swap Studios. 30 minutes down, two and a half hours remaining, and plenty, plenty more to get into. And as I mentioned to start tonight's program, Tuesday, I'm, I'm just getting into a rhythm of being able to recap the Eagles game from Sunday. But it's, it's a short week for me this week. I have to, you know, overcome some things fight through some injuries, and already look ahead to the next week. And that's what the Philadelphia Eagles are doing. We're in a very similar spot, John McMullen. Um, so here we are, less than 48 hours away from the Thursday night football NFC East head-to-head matchup between the Giants and the Eagles. Where do we start? <laughs> well, I think that's uh, that's a good place to start. I mean, when you play on Thursday night, you got to turn that page quickly. And I think that's a good thing when you lose the week before. Uh, I, I think when you can get out there as quickly as possible, I think and sometimes it's helpful. Um, and as a whole, I mean, the Eagles have been really successful in the Doug Peterson era when it comes to short weeks. They're 5-0. and So um, this is it. I mean, we've been talking a, a lot about how bad the NFC East is, and it is. And I mentioned that these losses, as they piled up, were not that important unless you thought the Eagles were a significant contender, which I think you were way off. But as far as the NFC East went, they were going to be playing meaningful football pretty late in the season. I've been pretty consistent on that. I think it remains the case for obvious reasons, nothing to do with the Eagles. Um, but it starts on Thursday night. If they lose that game, Ryan, <laughs> then it changes. It turns, and it turns dramatically for a couple reasons. One, I, I mean, your record is obviously what it is at that point it would be one five and one that's awful but even more so 
you're losing to an awful football team. And I think this could be the game that either makes you the prohibitive favorites uh, in the worst division in football, or conversely, you're off the rails if you lose this game. That's where we are. It's interesting because there's been reasons that you can point to, especially over the last two weeks after the Eagles' losses, as to why things aren't off the rails. Okay, the Pittsburgh Steelers, they're now clearly one of the better football teams. The proof is in the pudding on what they've done so far as we're almost heading into November. The Ravens, obviously the reigning NFL MVP, they're at the top as well. Mix in the injuries, and you can have some excuses as to why you fell short. Now the excuse can be this week, well, it's a short week, and they don't have Miles Sanders, um, and they don't have Zach Ertz. And I think that's valid, and they still can win the division after this week. So it's like, my point is, John, every week here now, we, we can't really gauge where they are at because the division is so poor. Well, yeah, we can't gauge where they're at in the division because you don't know if any of these teams are going to start moving in an even, uh, forget about a positive direction, even a mediocre direction, anything. Uh, I mean, you thought it would be the Dallas Cowboys, but they've been historically bad defensively. They're already starting to to gripe about Mike McCarthy and the coaching staff, which is pretty amazing. Uh, considering they're only five games in, um, so that six games, so that uh, that's pretty bad, no question about that. And then Washington and the Giants, we've talked about, are kind of in the same boat with young quarterbacks, and even more so Washington because they benched Dwayne Haskins. But um, obviously, they're rebuilding teams in rebuilding mode. But even then, I I mean, that's one of the reasons Ron Rivera made the change at quarterback because he started to look around at this division and said, you know what, we can win this thing if we just get competent play at the quarterback position. And, yeah, I mean, everybody in this division is sort of taking that path, and why not? I I mean, somebody's got to win it. Uh, And I think – if the if the Eagles just kind of hold serve, I think people will feel a lot more comfortable after Thursday night. But as I said, if they lose that game, yeah, you're right. Um, certainly mathematically, certainly from the standpoint of the Giants aren't going to run away from anybody, uh, they're still in it uh, because the division is so bad. But I, I think it, it, it takes a dark turn, and it, it starts to get, Maybe maybe the hurricane doesn't hit, but you can see there's bad weather on the horizon. Because remember, the Eagles already lost to Washington. And then you add the Giants on top of it, two losses in the division against those two teams. That gets, that gets pretty bad pretty quick. Why do you think, and I'm not insinuating I disagree with you, but why do you think it gets bad pretty quick? if, hypothetically, the Eagles lose on Thursday night? Because let's just continue the hypothetical path. If you're asking me, of the next two weeks, which one, pick one, which one do you want the Eagles to win? I'm going to say the Cowboys, and I think most people will. So 
I think that's what most fans are going to hang their hats on if and when the Eagles lose on Thursday night, right? Yeah, I, I mean, I, from a standpoint of, of seeing and, and, and even being around some bad teams, there's a point where everybody starts to give up. Um, and when things start to turn in the negative direction, now the Eagles have not shown that. I'm not trying uh, to say they've shown that. They kept fighting. We talked a lot yesterday about how impressive the comeback was against a really good football team. So they're obviously not at that point. But it comes quickly. It comes really quickly. And this is the kind of loss where people will go, oh, it's just, you know, it's almost human nature. It's like, oh, this is that type of year. Nothing's going right. And... I, it just turns. There's no other way to describe it. I, I mean, you, you look at Atlanta getting their first win on the uh, uh, on the COVID week, so to speak, which is interesting because teams have done that. Uh, they'd given up on Dan Quinn. They make the change. They show some life. Conversely, you look at the Vikings in that game the week before. They they outplayed Seattle, which is arguably the best team in the NFC should have won the football game and they lost in the final seconds and that was it for them. You saw them show up against it, didn't show up. And that's the kind of thing I'm talking about. Once Mm -hmm. that worm turns and once it becomes clear that this is not your season, so to speak, when teams give up, man, they give up. And the Eagles could be on the verge of, they're on a path, I, I mean, and it can go one of two ways. And one way is good and one way is bad. So on the flip side of things, as we're discussing the potential side effects of, of a loss this Thursday night, what would a win do for this team? Would it have the complete opposite impact? Like, would it galvanize the locker room, you know, coming off the momentum from the second half against Baltimore on a short week? getting a win against an NFC East opponent, then you have a couple extra days to prepare for Dallas. Is it that type of game where if you lose, things could get really ugly, and if you win, things could look really bright just like that? Yeah, that's exactly what I think it is. And especially, uh, I mean, you kind of chuckled there with galvanize. And now if you win probably 21-20 and just escape by the skin of your teeth, Probably not going to galvanize it, but you know yeah. what? If the Eagles go in there and win 38-7, to just completely blow the doors off the Giants, um, I, I not only think it galvanizes the team, I think they're the prohibitive favorites to win the NFC East. That's, uh, I mean, that's what this game is. You're facing a fork in the road and a, a loss, to a team that's this bad, because the Giants are a bad football team, make no mistake, um, that that will have an effect on the psyche. And I, I don't think it's going to be good. And conversely, if you just handle your business, I think the Eagles get a little bit of their swagger back, at least when it comes to the NFC East. This is all relative, Ryan. We're not talking about they're going to be able to be good football teams. But as far as the pathetic nature of the NFC East, I think they get some of that swagger back. 
what is this offense going to look like on a short week without Miles Sanders and without Zach Ertz? And I can name a lot of other key names, but I'll just end it there. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it, it is what you're going to see um, at the end of, of the Baltimore game, and you have to give people credit. And, and Doug Peterson earlier in the week gave a shout-out to Richard Rogers, uh, who played pretty well at least until he missed the block on the two-point conversion. So he's going to be the, the number one tight end. You look at Boston Scott, he's going to be the running back. And, um I guess the low pot, you know, Boston's two best games came against the Giants last year, and one, he was the NFC Player of the Week, Offensive Player of the Week. He had three touchdowns, so maybe there's a little bit of confidence uh, from that perspective. And, and then the offensive line, and I, I think Lane Johnson's going to try to play. And I, I was kind of fearful of this because once Jack Driscoll went down, he's not going to be able to play. Well, the Eagles don't have the right tackle now. Um, Brett Todd finished the game. Um, you don't want him playing 60 snaps, to say the least. And the goal was to get Lane two weeks of rest and then sort of that mini-bye uh, you have with the extra few days, Thursday to Sunday, uh, and then he would try to get back on the field. But they need him, and anybody who knows Lane Johnson knows he's going to try to play if they need him, and they need him. So that could be good or it could be bad, and, and the bad part is obviously the ankle's not 100%, not close to 100%, and it could get worse, and uh, then all of a sudden you start talking about missing more games, but uh, they need help, <laughs> and he's probably going to try to help them. So uh, we'll see if he's able to hold up. Deshaun Jackson should be back, so that'll be a positive. Obviously, they're going to play uh, 11 personnel because they don't have any tight ends. It's going to be Richard Rodgers and Jason Kroon. I think I've been underestimating how high the stakes are for this game on Thursday night because Lane Johnson potentially playing through that injury and attempting to give it a go, I think that that shows you right there how important it is because my thinking, my opinion, no way you you let him go out there. You give him the rest and maybe let him try it for Dallas. Ideally, just let him come back after the bye week, but... Here we are on a short week. He is clearly in pain, clearly nowhere near 100%, and he may give it a go. I, I think that just tells you everything you need to know right there. Yeah, uh, yeah, and, and I think it would be a little bit different if Jack Crystal was healthy and, and not that Jack is a world beater, but he's at least been serviceable uh, when he's out there as a rookie. Uh, and if they had even that... I think the Eagles might try to get by this week. And that, as I said, that was essentially the original plan. So that's an injury that maybe you don't think that much about, especially when you compare it to Zach and, and Miles. But all of a sudden you have that, that butterfly effect. And because there's nobody else, 
Lane is, you know, he was limited to practice. He's trying to practice, and that tells you all you need to know. Um, if Jack Driscoll was healthy, I don't even think he'd be practicing. He's trying to get out there, which is, um, it's you give him a lot of credit. You should. I, I if you're going to ask me who's the toughest guy on this team, it's not Lane Johnson. He's going to be one of the first names you mention. Uh, and they need him, and he's going to try to do everything possible to get out there. John, give us a an update, a full update on the latest from the injury report. You just touched on a lot, but there's still there's that many. There's still a lot you haven't touched on, and you know you can start with uh, Alshon. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't think uh, Alshon is all that important. I've kind of said it in the past because of the immersion emergence of Travis Fulgham, all of a sudden, I don't I don't think you need all Sean Jeffrey. And I think he would probably uh, be out there, to be honest, if, if Travis Fulgham had not sort of turned the corner at least a little bit. And, uh, you know, I just tweeted, you, you look at those, those promos that Fox and Amazon and NFL Network's uh, send out for uh, the the Thursday night games, and they had they always put one player, and it wasn't Carson Wentz, it wasn't uh, Daniel Jones for the Giants, it was Travis Fulgham for the Eagles, Travis Fulgham, <laughs> and Darius Slayton for the Giants. Um, I, I I said it, you you can't take Travis Fulgham off the field, you can't. Um, and essentially he plays that position. Although, if anything, this is so weird to say, he's been more versatile than Alshon Jeffrey. I mean, he can even move around a bit. Um, so I do think Deshaun will be back, and we'll see how long that lasts. I mean, hopefully he's out there for the entire game, and I think that would be really helpful uh, to get John Hightower off the field, but he can also be out there for five plays, re-injure the hamstring, and be gone again for six weeks. So uh, you never know what you're going to get from Deshaun Jackson, but I do think he'll be back. Um, I don't think the Eagles want Alshon Jeffrey back at this point. Uh, I don't I don't think they want to take snaps away from Travis Fulgham. So they'll use... I think the excuse of the surgery and he's still working his way back. And I I don't think it's important to them. Crazy. When you look at the timeline of the Alshon Jeffrey story from the injury up until now, the narratives and the importance of him returning, just the twists and turns revolving Alshon Jeffrey. And he's not the only one, but um, never dull with the Philadelphia Eagles. So Miles Sanders is out. Zach Ertz is out. Jalen Ertz, John. Jalen Ertz. How much more of him are we going to see? Maybe we won't see more. What's his role now on a short week with all these injuries? Yeah, I mean, I've I've even heard people say they should play him at running back. I, I think that's kind of crazy. But <laughs> what about linebacker? Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think it's going to be a, a, an expanded role. I think it's going to be what you've seen the past couple of weeks, and he's settling into that, if you want to call it, a, a, a Taysom Hill-like role. Um, that's what he's going to be, and I think that's what he's going to be 
the rest of the season, obviously barring injury to Carson, that'll be the quarterback. But and by the way, that you know, it's pretty amazing that how that narrative has changed and the fact that for so long people are saying Carson can't stay healthy, Carson can't stay healthy. He's been sacked twenty five times, he's getting hit sixteen times a game and he's the only one left standing. Him and Jason Kelsey, so that's been kind of crazy as well. But I will say, if he keeps getting hit, hit 16 times every game, well, he's probably not going to last. So, uh, I mean, Jalen's important, but he's the backup quarterback, and they they have this package for him, and I don't think it's expanding all that much from where it is right now. I think this is it, and that's why I didn't like the pick when they took it. I still don't like the pick. I'm not going to like the pick when he throws his first touchdown, when he makes his first really big play. It's a bad pick. I'll continue <laughs> to say that. And you and I have had a lot of good conversations in the past, and I'm sure we will in the future, uh, about Jalen and his role moving forward. So when we spoke last night, John, the Cowboys were getting embarrassed by the Arizona Cardinals, and now Jane Slater, NFL Network reporter, came out with this report saying, well, the Cowboys players, that's not really much of a in-depth report, but Cowboys players are bashing the coaching staff, saying they are totally unprepared just to add to the circus that is the NFC East. Yeah, I kind of mentioned that. It was interesting because Jane also tweeted today she finally got a her registration on her car done, which I thought was interesting because I finally got my done. That's how that's how difficult it is to do everyday uh, uh, things during the NFL season. We are so bogged down, and especially in the COVID nineteen world, it, it it's just constant and it just hits you in waves and waves. And you can imagine what it's like for the actual teams. We're just the people that cover these teams, but. Uh, you know all the controversy here in Philadelphia now in Dallas, as I mentioned. Mike McCarthy's been there for five games. Uh, and, yeah, they're already sniping because things haven't gone uh, the way that people expected, and it's only getting worse because Dak Prescott is now gone for the year. Teron Smith is gone for the year. So the Cowboys have a ton of injuries as well. And you could argue – because they're season-ending injuries. I mean, you talk about all these Eagles injuries, but they're, not a ton of them have been season-ending. Um, you know, at some point, you look at the offensive line, at, at some point Lane is going to be back, whether it's this Thursday night or whether it is the Cowboys game. Um, he's going to be back. Jason Peters is going to be back in the next, two weeks or so. Um, Isaac Sayamalo is going to be back at some point this season. Uh, Zach is going to be back. Miles is going to be back. Dallas Goddard is going to be back at some point. So if you do want to uh, get a little optimistic about it, the fact that they haven't lost these players for the entire season, that part of it is at least a little bit of a silver lining where the Cowboys have suffered some pretty, pretty significant season-ending injuries, and, hey, uh, it doesn't look like they're going to be able to handle losing Dak Prescott, to say the least. 
I remember asking you about the importance of the defense heading into the matchup against the Baltimore Ravens. And once again, I'll ask you, how important is it for this defense on Thursday night to really play well? And it's not like they have a huge task in front of them to try and slow down the New York Giants. I think the Giants can slow themselves down without much help from the opponent. But this is a big game for the defense, too. And obviously the offense gets all of the attention, but talk about the other side of the ball. Yeah, I mean, they have to, if you look about if they just played two really good teams and back-to-back and two really good offensive teams in, in Pittsburgh and Baltimore. Um, so they gave up a lot of points. They scored a lot of points. I think that was a positive, especially with all the injuries and all the guys that weren't available, the fact that they were able to put up as many points as they did is pretty amazing. Uh, and defensively, uh, you would have liked to have stepped up and maybe won one of those games, whether it was a stop somewhere in the game. Um, and they weren't able to get it done. But this week, you know, the opponent is not nearly as good, not nearly as talented, not nearly as explosive. So if you're up at 30 points or somewhere around 30 points a game, that's a disaster. Uh, I mean, this is, you know, remember, Saquon Barkley's not there. Um, and that's the one guy you would look at the, the New York Giants before the season started and said, okay, that guy can hurt us, uh, and you don't have to worry about him. So I, I just talked about that advertisement for Fox and Amazon and Barry Slayton. I mean, okay, he's a good player. He got the Eagles a couple times last year. Um, bit of a deep threat. We know what Daniel Jones is. Uh, he's going to turn the football over. You have no running game. The offensive line still stinks. Yeah, I mean, this is – defense better show up, and they better not give up 30 points because then it becomes a real, real problem if they don't play well against the New York Giants. Two nights from now, Eagles-Giants will be live, and we'll have all of the reaction live in-game. And tomorrow night, John and I will give a full preview on a Wednesday for Eagles Week 7 in an important matchup. NFC East against the New York football Giants. Follow John on Twitter at JF McMullen. Extending the play every Saturday morning right here on AM 1490 from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. phillyvoice.com and si.com. John, thank you, sir, and we will do it again tomorrow. All right. Thanks, Ryan. Appreciate it. Yep. Thank you. There he is. Johnny Mack, the best Eagles insider there is. Um, Dylan, there's a lot that I want to get into. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret. And visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure.